Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. So glad you're joining us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Well, it has been a very interesting crop year here in Texas. With all of this rain, it has definitely made for a different type of growing season. One thing we do know, the rain has caused the cotton crop to run behind schedule this year. We'll take a closer look at that in just a bit. Also, if you run cattle in this state, you need to re-register your brand this year. We'll take a closer look at that story coming up today also. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Transpecus. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. There's a lot of good things to say about crop progress on the Texas High Plains this summer. But weed pressure is a rising threat. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Rural land buyers need to know deed restrictions before purchasing the property. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. From West Texas, I'm Eddie Griffiths. We'll take a look at the crops around the area, how the beneficial rain has really pushed these crops along. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. We've known all year that the development of the Texas cotton crop is behind schedule this year thanks to all the rain and cool temperatures we've had. But that seems to be the case all across the cotton belt. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey looks at the latest numbers. We see 82% of the crop squaring by August 1st. That is behind a five-year average of 90%, also behind last year's 90%. And then exactly half of the crop setting bowls by August 1st, three points behind the five-year average, two percentage points behind this time a year ago. In Texas, the number one production state, pretty slow on the cotton squaring progress, just 76% of the crop by the 1st of August, 12 points behind the five-year average, 41% of the crop setting bowls compared to the five-year average of 42%. Although the crop is running behind this year, it is a much better crop compared to last year. We saw just a very tiny net decline in overall condition. 60% good to excellent, 8% very poor to poor. A week ago, those numbers were 61% and 8% respectively. This time a year ago, a much lower rated cotton crop was just 45% good to excellent and 16% very poor to poor. Here in Texas, our cotton crop is rated 11% excellent, 43% good, 37% fair, and only 9% rated poor to very poor. It's time to re-register your brand in Texas. Jessica Noble has the details. Texas ranchers will soon have to register or re-register their livestock brands, tattoos, and earmarks. Michelle Carlisle with the Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association says all current brands expire August 31st. So they have a six-month grace period in order to re-register their brands, and that's beginning August 31st through February the 28th of 2022. If they fail to re-record their brand during those six months, then their brand is open for anyone to take. Ranchers must register their brands with their county clerk's office. 
So if they have multiple ranches in different counties, then they would need to go to each county clerk's office. And something new that some of the county clerks are participating in this year is an online re-registration program. I would advise them to contact their county clerk to see if they are participating in it. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The nation's cow herd is shrinking, according to the recent cattle inventory report showing 2% less cows in the U.S. than a year ago. Oklahoma State University livestock economist Daryl Peel says one reason for that could be herd liquidation from the drought out west. I think we're really not going to know until we get the January numbers. If you look at beef cow slaughter for the last 15 weeks compared to 2019, it's up about 15 percent for that 15-week period. And if you look at the number of cows involved, you can't really tell for sure how much of that is actual drought liquidation versus how much of it is early culling of cows that would have come in the second half of the year. If we continue the pace of cow slaughter that we see up till now, then it's going to be very clear that we're cutting into the herd in a way that we never planned to. Peel says we could be feeling the ramifications of this drought for the next two to three years. Weed control is a major issue for Texas High Plains farmers this year. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo. We've talked about what a difference getting some precipitation has meant for area crops. Things are looking pretty green out in area fields. But some of that green is exactly what farmers don't want. As Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell says, ample rains have also brought about prolific weeds. And fighting them has not been easy. It's been hard for producers to get in the field, of course, with ground rigs, just because it's been too wet and, and fields have been too muddy. So there's been a lot of activity by our aerial applicators. But while those aerial applicators are a good go-to resource, Dr. Bell says with an ongoing shortage of herbicides, coordinating a timely attack is difficult right now. When we say weeds grow overnight, they literally grow overnight. And so if an applicator's books are full and they can't get to a field for a week or more, those weeds become so large that it becomes very hard to actually control and kill those weeds. And so timing and just the application and what is approved at later growth stages for a crop and really paying attention to that label as well as what's available has become very challenging for producers. But challenges notwithstanding, if weeds get severe enough, crop yields can be threatened. Weeds are robbing resources. They are utilizing water. They're utilizing nutrients. And when they get to a certain size, they actually cause shading that result in reduced photosynthetic potential of the plant. So that further causes some yield loss. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There are a lot of factors to consider when buying rural land here in Texas. Tom Nicoletti tells us to keep an eye out for deed restrictions. Tyler Jacobs, broker partner with Hall & Hall LLP, concludes our series on what buyers need to watch out for when considering new acquisitions. Another area that we should talk about, Tyler, is deed restrictions and uh, what those are and to make sure that uh, they're not unknown and that uh, people who are buying the land are up to speed on that. A deed restriction, Tom, is any restriction on the use of the property that has been placed on that property by a previous owner through the warranty deed. 
such as there will be no confined animal feeding operations or there will be no modular housing on this property. And and so many times those deed restrictions are referenced in your title commitment. But if no one has walked you through that title commitment, there'll be deed restrictions in that commitment that affect all or part of the property. And if you don't see that copy of that recorded document, see what it actually says, then you're not going to be aware of prohibitions against the use of your land. And, and you never want to be uninformed of that situation. It can be a number of different things. It can be a, there will be no division of this property less than five acres. Those deed restrictions may have been recorded 20 years ago in a previous ownership, but the only way you're going to know the details of that is if you have the title company pull that document for you so that you can read the details thereof. The odds of of lifting deed restrictions are pretty slim, but at least you're doing it within your due diligence period of your contract, which gives you an out from the purchase if that is something that you could not live with. That's Tyler Jacobs with Hall & Hall LLP from College Station. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The rains in West Texas have made for a great crop year there so far. Eddie Griffiths reports from the Lubbock area. Look at the crops around West Texas. The rains have definitely been beneficial. It has been a task for producers to get out there and control weeds and try to make applications in a timely manner. But when it's too wet, it's hard to get out in the field and get much done. But for the fields that are getting cleaned up and moving along, as far as grains are concerned, corn and sorghum, both of those crops look really good. And as we look at the cotton crop around the area, the Rain has slowed down somewhat in some areas, maybe just the traditional cotton shower here and there, but where they're getting the heat units in, that crop looks really good. Probably the biggest concern for producers on the cotton crop at this time is trying to get applications made out there, slow that crop down a little bit and get it to start loading up with a fruit set. That's probably the biggest problem here in West Texas is ensuring we have a uh, fruit set on that crop generally. As I mentioned on my last report, we would like to see blooms on cotton in West Texas around the 4th of July. Most of those cotton plants are just now starting to get to that bloom stage so gonna have to put some pgrs out there and try to push that crop along and keep our fingers crossed that we'll have a late freeze so we can reach maturity from west texas i'm eddie griffiths there are exciting new opportunities for texas youth who are interested in learning how to hunt i'm jessica Dolmel, and i'll have details coming up on texas ag today and heartworms are a major problem for texas dogs Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. 
Heartworms are a major problem for Texas dogs. Boy, do I know. I had a dog that had them, and it is a real headache to treat them. But there is a new treatment being studied right now. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd explains. Heartworms are easy to prevent, but difficult to treat. And the only approved treatment is a drug called amidocide that is injected in the dog's back by your veterinarian to kill the heartworms. This is not only the most effective treatment, but also kills the worms quicker than any other methods. And this is important due to the damage the heartworms can cause. However, the treatment can be expensive because it requires blood work and chest x-rays prior to treatment to prevent possible reactions. It requires the dog to be strictly confined or leash walked for 10 weeks, and the drug is expensive. There's also a slow-kill treatment method involving the use of giving regular ivermectin heartworm preventative to the dog, and it is called slow kill for a reason. In some cases, it can require one to two years or more for the heartworms to die. And over that period, the heartworms are damaging the dog's heart and lungs. So this is not a good option. Recently, a drug called ProHeart has been introduced to the market as a heartworm preventative. And one injection lasts for a year. A recent study looked at the possibility of using this drug to treat heartworms in heartworm positive dogs. 20 heartworm positive dogs were in the trial and dogs were injected with the 12-month drug and were not confined. At six months, over one half the dogs were negative, another one-third were negative at one year, and 10% of the dogs were negative only after one and a half years. So the 12-month injectable is effective at killing the heartworms, but it does take some time and allows further damage to occur. However, this method may be helpful in certain select cases. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There are some exciting new opportunities this year for Texas youth who want to learn how to hunt. Jessica Domel has the details in today's Wildlife Report. Texas youth who don't have much hunting experience and are interested in learning are now invited to sign up for a safe and educational hunting weekend with the Texas Youth Hunting Program. Chris Mitchell, TYHP director, says there are a variety of hunts available. Well, the most common hunt that we offer in the Texas Youth Hunting Program is a white-tailed deer hunt, but that's not the only hunt that we offer. There are a lot of hog hunts. We do some dove hunts, waterfowl hunts. We incorporate fishing into a lot of these. It's usually in addition to what's going on at a hunt, but really everything that you're doing in the outdoors, we're doing. Camping is a big part of every hunt. So it's not just the hunt, it's a complete outdoor adventure. Youth must be accompanied by a parent or guardian on any TYHP hunt. Growing the next generation of hunters, we do that by educating them. And if the parents are familiar with hunting, that's great. If they're not, that's not a problem because we have lots of experienced volunteers that mentor the youth especially, but also kind of incidentally the parents as well. Youth may apply on the TYHP website. The way they do it is they go to our website at tyhp.org and they create an account. It's free. And once they create that account and they log in, they will then have access to our calendar. We recommend that people check back regularly because new hunts are posted every day. Again, that website is tyhp.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 
So what happened in the markets on Wednesday? Jessica will be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. know what to do if you're stuck on the railroad crossing? Get out of your vehicle. If a train is not approaching, find the blue and white emergency notification system sign on the traffic signs at the crossing. For help, call the number on the sign and give them the crossing number so they know your location and can alert train traffic. Remember, find the blue and white to save your life. For more information, visit OLI.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Supported by some drought-related liquidation in the western United States, lower corn prices, and increased beef demand caused the cattle complex to close higher on Wednesday. October live cattle up 82 cents to 128.97. December live cattle up 75 cents to 133.95. September feeder cattle up 35 cents to 162.87. October feeder cattle up 40 cents to 165.45. Box beef was higher on Wednesday. Choice up $2.90 to $2.88.74. Select up $2.60 to $270.09. Now let's check the livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear the auctioneer sound, uh, sit down with me at the kitchen table. Let's have a glass of iced tea and speak with Klein Spear from Southwest Livestock Exchange Uvalde about his cattle sale last week. Klein, how was it? We had a nice run today. We had 596. Packer cows were a couple dollars better. The bulls were steady. The calves and yearlings I thought were pretty steady last week. The, we had a good string of some wean cattle today. and I thought those were a couple dollars higher. And Overall, I thought we had a, a really nice run and a really good market today. The number one choice steer is $1.35 to $1.65. Lightweights were $1.65 to $1.90. Number one choice heifers, $1.05 to $1.35. Lightweights were $1.45 to $1.75. Crossbred steers, dollar thirty to dollar sixty. Lightweights, dollar fifty-five to dollar eighty-five. Crossbred heifers, dollar to dollar twenty, and the lightweights, dollar thirty to dollar sixty. Stocker cows were seventy to ninety-five. The good packer bulls, eighty-five to ninety-two. Breaker cows were sixty-seven to seventy-seven. The cutters and canners were fifty-six to sixty-four, and the shelly cows were thirty-eight to forty-eight. Good cow calf pairs, eleven to twelve hundred. The planer pairs were still at seven hundred fifty to eight hundred fifty mark, and the bread cows today seven hundred to eleven. So overall, uh, a good market and uh, a lot of guys looking for some cattle and. Uh, Sure, sure looking good right now. And we'll start it all over next week. Sheep and goats Tuesday, cattle Thursday. Klein, do you know of anything coming? We got probably seven, 800 head coming on Tuesday for the sheep and goat run. And uh, we got a deal or two of calves that are going to be set up for next week. We'll see how they kind of come about on Tuesday. Tell everybody how to contact you. Give us a call at the office, 830-278-5621 or my cell phone, 830-591-3241. Neighbor, that's it for Walking the Fins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm your host, Larry Marble. Thanks for joining us. Do so tomorrow. Good day. Thank you, Larry. After closing higher for the past two days, lean hogs closed mostly lower on Wednesday. 
October lean hogs down $1.25 to $90.12. Block cheese was unchanged for the sixth consecutive day Wednesday at $1.63. Barrel cheese was up three quarters of a cent to $1.31. Whey was down, and all of those factors combined caused Class 3 milk to close mostly higher on Wednesday. September Class 3 milk up 17 cents to $16.10, 100 weights. Cotton closed higher Wednesday on potential for increased global exports after flooding was reported in some of the major cotton-growing regions of India. We're also looking at an 8-10 to day forecast for Texas with above-normal temperatures and drier weather. All those together led cotton to close higher Wednesday. October cotton up 42 points to 90.72. December cotton up 44 points to 90.31. By the way, that December contract is above 90 cents for only the fourth time in history. The grain complex closed lower Wednesday after a report was released by the U.S. Energy Information Administration revealing an increase in crude stockpiles. September corn down four and three quarters to 545 and three quarters. December corn down five to 546 and three quarters. September hard red wheat down 13 and a quarter to 694 and a quarter. December hard red wheat down 13 and a quarter to 705 and a half. On Wednesday, soybeans closed higher, supported by weather uncertainty. August soybeans up 11 and a quarter to 14.03 and a half. November soybeans up 6 to 13.25 and three quarters. September natural gas up 14 cents to 4.16. October natural gas up 13 cents to 4.17. And as I mentioned earlier, that U.S. Energy Information Administration report showed an increase in crude stockpiles that did affect crude oil on Wednesday. September crude oil down $2.57 to $67.99 a barrel. October crude oil down $2.41 to $67.62 a barrel. Now let's check our financial markets. The Dow down 279 to 34,838. The S&P 500 down 15 to 4,407. The NASDAQ up 15 points to 14,776. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Remember, we'll be right here next time to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.